Firestarters Youth Ministry. I love the culture that he's continuing out there and Jesse and the team, um, you know, Joy and Keelan, of just creating an environment where we help young people listen to God's voice and respond in obedience. That's discipleship. That, that's discipleship, listening to God and doing what he says. So um, my name's Matt, and I'm the pastor here, and I'm excited to just continue our mission, um, our, our series called Co-Mission uh, in January, and now we're into February. We're almost done with it, but we just got a couple more weeks left. Uh, this series is called Co-Mission, the Adventure of Living on Mission Together, and we are using this occasion, the beginning of a year is always a great time for this, just to remind ourselves of who we are and what we're going after as a church, and what's important to us. And and so, uh, just real quickly, you know, here's where we've been. Uh, We've talked about our vision, which is to bring the kingdom of God to our family, to our community, to the world, to, to, to to, to participate in the rule and reign of God, of making earth like things are in heaven. I think I lost my slide capabilities. Ethan, you might need to take over. It says error. And I'm sure I did something, so. uh, Oh, look at that. Now it's working. Um, And then we talked about our mission. Our mission is how we live into our vision, and that is simply by making disciples. That's what Jesus did. That's what he told us to do. And and so the way we're going to live into our vision of bringing the kingdom is by making disciples who, who learn to be like Jesus and do what he says. And then over the last few weeks, we've been talking about some of our core values, some of the things that we hold dear. That, you know, if our vision and our mission is here's what we're going to do in our strategy, our values then describe how we're going to go about this. What, you know, what kind of people are we going to be as we go after our vision and our mission? And we've, we talked a few weeks ago about how one of the most important things we could do is express our love to God by loving people in the same way that he loves us. And then we talked about being people who are authentic and accountable, being real, and holding each other accountable to to living a life upward in relationship with God, inward in community, and and outward with a broken world. And then last week, we talked about communities on mission, and we especially highlighted, you know, one of the vehicles we have, not the only vehicle, but one of the primary ways we're trying to go about learning to live this lifestyle of community on mission is through missional communities. And I introduced you to all the missional communities we have. And I was so encouraged that, uh, you know, we, we talked about... Um, we gave an invitation, right, like over the last month leading up to last Wednesday where we invited you to come to a workshop on Wednesday nights uh, just to discern uh, of how God might be inviting you to live out community on mission. And, and there was like, uh, I think Ryan was telling me this morning, like, like 24 people that came to that on Wednesday. That excites me greatly. That means there's people here who are, are putting themselves in a position to listen to the Lord. Like, what, what about me? What, what are you inviting me to participate in? What are you inviting me to lead? And I'm excited to see what comes out of that. But this morning, we're going to go after this value. Contributors, not consumers. And here's what we mean by that phrase. The church does not exist only for us. We are the church. Church isn't something you go to. It's an identity. It's who we are. We are the church and we exist for the world. Therefore, we will choose to contribute our time our talents, and our treasures in joining God on mission to bring his kingdom to the world. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Let me pray and we'll dive into it. Lord, as we continue this journey into really our identity as a people, as the church of of Jesus Christ 
planted in this spot in Holland, Michigan. Lord, I, I pray that as we kind of uncover and get beneath this value this morning, that you will speak um, words of invitation and words of grace and words of truth and even words of conviction and challenge to us this morning. Because ultimately, our desire is to be like your son and, and to be empowered by the Spirit. So, so Father, we invite you um, to, to have your way this morning with us, to, to speak clearly to us, and that you would give us the courage to respond in obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so it's February 10, and uh, we're not too far removed from Christmas. That was just a couple months ago. Um, not even a couple months ago. I just want you to think back on Christmas, and I just want to ask this question. When it comes to this past Christmas, or really any Christmas, or any occasion where there's gifts, what excites you more? What, what gets you most excited? The anticipation of what you will get or receive, or the excitement and anticipation of, of what you are giving to someone? Like, what gets you more excited? I find for me, I, I think it's something that evolves with age, right? I think when you're little, you're excited about getting gifts. You're not even positive you got anybody anything because someone else did that for you. You're just excited about what gifts have my names on them, right? But I think that there comes a point in our maturity, and maybe it's when we become parents. I don't know like where it happens, but you get more excited, don't you, about giving a gift than receiving a gift. Like when it comes to Christmas and people ask me, or my birthday, or anything like, what, what do you want? Like I can't think of anything. I, I really can't think of, of anything I, I really, you know, want or need. But I get really excited about some, you know, especially some gifts, the anticipation of them opening it up. Right now, Tori does most of the shopping in our house, and, and so um, she embodies this mostly. But I can think of like this past Christmas, for instance. Like I, I think at the age my kids are, you know, 18, 16, 20, um, we get more excited about giving gifts of experience than actual things. And so we decided this year, um, we've never been to an NHL hockey game, and we've never been to a Red Wings game, obviously, so we're going we're gonna to buy tickets to go to the Red Wings. And uh, Tori and I and Levi and Reese, a week from today, next Sunday night, are going to our very first Red Wings game in Detroit. I'm really excited about it. I was really excited, you know, for the boys to, to open that gift or to discover that we're going to go to the Red Wings. Like, I get really excited about giving a gift and the reaction that the receiver is going to experience. Now, I just want us to think about that posture or that mentality of giving versus receiving. Giving versus receiving. Like, like, for instance, this morning, as you got up and you anticipated gathering in this space at 10 a.m. with everyone else who's here this morning, as you thought about that, were you anticipating what you will receive this morning? Is that what your focus was, your mindset? Like, what can I get out of this morning? Or what can I give? Did you come this morning with an anticipation of, I can't wait to get together and give God my praise and worship? Honestly, is that the mentality you had this morning? I can't wait to give God worship this morning. I'm so eager to tell God just just how amazing he is. To praise him, to just pour it all out, to to, to gather and to declare like, God, I, I can't believe you left heaven for me. I can't believe you didn't want heaven without me. And so you gave it all up and came for me. 
And, and you came to save me. And so I, I come this morning into your presence with my spiritual family. And I just want to give you everything back. I just want to give you, I just want to be all in. I, I just want to give you my praise and worship. Was that the posture of your heart this morning? Is that the posture of your heart every time you gather here? Let's just be honest as a people this morning. Because if I'm honest, that while I would love that to be my posture all the time, it, it, it often isn't. It often isn't. And if I, more often than I care to admit, my focus is you rather than him. And I get all focused and, and anxious and worried about like, is it going to be good? Are they going to like it? What are they going to think? You know, I get caught up in that mentality and I don't like it, but I can't help it sometimes. And I battle with that. Like, I battle with, 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 where's my posture? Who am I about this morning? You know, what do the people want? I got to give them what they want so they'll keep coming back, so they'll keep giving, so I can keep having a job. Like, get caught up in this, you know, for just being honest. And I don't like that. And I battle that. Somewhere along the line, like this consumer mentality has sort of crept into the church. And I, I don't know when it started. I don't know. Maybe it's always been since the fall, you know, something we've battled with. But I don't know where it came from. I blame Burger King. I think Burger King messed us all up when they decided like you could have it your way. Instead of like, you can't special order your hamburger, you could special order every hamburger. And I think that ruined us from that point forward. Now we want everything our way. We want it, you know, just special, just the way I like it. And, and we, we, we somehow think that this is about me. This is about us. This is about what I can receive. And it, we, we, we adopt, I think, even subconsciously, this, this uh, transactional mentality, if you will. You know, where I'll put money in the bag when it goes by. Now you give me goods and services. And I think that's just this mentality that's crept into the church, especially in the West. And I don't like it. We, we use phrases like, you know, um, we, we go church shopping, right? Which is a consumer, you know, phrase. And, and, and I'm, I'm not saying anything to anybody here this morning um, who maybe is, has done that in the past or involved in that right now. I, I'm not speaking, you know, directly into that. I'm just saying, like, it's become part of church culture, and, and, and I, I don't like it, and I don't know what to do about it, but I really want to resist it. And, and, and that's why we have this value. That's why we have this as a value at Victory Point. We want to do everything we can to really work hard to resist contributing to consumer Christianity. It's that, that's why we repeat our vision and our mission all the time. You're probably sick of hearing, oh yeah, Bring the kingdom of God to our families, community, and world. But we're going to keep repeating that. We're going to keep reminding ourselves in that. We're going to keep inviting ourselves into that. Um, because we want to resist a, a consumer mentality. It's why we do whatever we can to try to raise the bar. To raise the bar of discipleship. That discipleship is a lifestyle. It's not a class. It's not like just a, some things you learn you know, in your head. It, it's, it's a way to live. It's a, and it's, this is a battle, and I struggle with it. And I bet, if you're honest, you struggle with it too. It, but, but what I'm learning is maybe the most loving thing I can do as a pastor is to help all of us, myself first, just get over ourselves. 
you know, get over ourselves and, and see the bigger picture and realize what we're a part of and what this is all about. And remind ourselves that the church doesn't fundamentally, ultimately only exist for you. The church doesn't exist just for me. We are the church and we exist for the world. I've heard it said, I can't remember, um, it was like a bishop, an archbishop or some old smart guy one time, you know, said and it gets quoted all the time. The church is the one institution that exists for the benefit of its non-members. That ultimately the church exists not for the people in this room, but the people not yet in this room, the people not yet in the family of God. That's what the church ultimately exists for. We're the body of Christ. We're his expression on earth to reach the world. So we don't come here primarily to get. But what does it look like to come here to give? To, to give God praise. God's desire for us, I think as a church, is that we become a people that are way more excited about what we give versus what we get. It's the DNA, I think, of the people of God, and it's instilled in the very original covenant with Abraham. When God says, you know, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing, that's, that's the DNA of the people of God, is, is you exist for the benefit of those outside yourselves. You, you exist as a church for others. That, that I think God's heartbeat for us, for me, is that every time we gather as the family of God, we come in here with this posture like, Lord, I have something for you today. I have something to give you today. I, I've got something for the body. I can't wait to tell people how good God is. I can't wait to tell people how good God has been to me this week. Let me tell you, like what happened on Tuesday. Let me tell you what happened on Thursday. You know, I, I've, I've got something for the body of Christ. If I come into this room with this posture, God, what do you want from me? What, what, what do you want from me? What do you want of me? I was listening uh, to Francis Chan recently. You guys probably have heard of Francis Chan. I like listening to him. I was listening to a sermon that he gave uh, that included Luke, a story from Luke chapter 7. And I've been reading it and rereading it this week, and it's, and it's really captivated me, and it's really convicted me. Um, and I think it actually is a picture of what it could look like to be a contributor, not a consumer in the kingdom of God. And so I want to share it with you this morning, because I think it has something for all of us. And it's a familiar story, and it starts in Luke 7, verse 36. I'm just going to go through the slides. I'm going to read the story. But I want to invite you to just really be present in this story, especially if you've heard it many times, just to, to try to hear it with fresh ears and a fresh mind and a fresh heart this morning. Imagine like you're there. Imagine what it would have been like to be present in, in this story in Luke chapter 7. So let me give it a read. It says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and he sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting, putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, so he doesn't say this out loud, but he kind of somehow says this to himself internally. 
man, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Which I want to like hold up a mirror to him like, dude, you are too. But it doesn't say that. When Jesus, Jesus then answered his thoughts. So somehow in his spirit, he was aware of what this guy was thinking. When Jesus answered, then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, so we know his name is Simon. He said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people. 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces of silver to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears, and she's wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and and there are many, they've been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. It's a great story. I mean, think about it. You know, we live in such a time in our culture today, especially with, I think, social media just amplifies this, right? That we're so concerned about what other people think. We're so concerned about comparing ourselves to others. You know, am I making a fool of myself? How do I look compared to to that person? And here's this woman. Here's this woman who comes into the room bringing this gift, this jar, this alabaster jar, and she doesn't care. She doesn't care who's in the room because her only concern was Jesus. The only person she came into that room for is Jesus. It's a good question for, for all of us to ask when we walk into this room. She, she, she falls at the feet crying. She, she's making this scene, right? She, she's, she's drawing attention to herself. She's making this scene. I don't think she's trying to. I just don't think she can help herself. I think she's so overwhelmed. And I think she's, she's so taken by Christ's love for her. She, she just can't help it. She's making a scene and she doesn't care. She's trying to wash Jesus' feet, you know, because no one else did like they were supposed to when he entered the house. So she's trying to wash Jesus' feet, but she doesn't have any water. She doesn't have a towel. So she improvises, you know, she can't stop crying. So she uses her tears. Jesus' feet are just dripping with tears. She has no towel. So she's grabbing her hair and she's, she's wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. 
And I, I don't know if she's speaking. I mean, the text doesn't tell us that, but I can imagine she's just like, like I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm so sorry. Thanks for loving me. And, and everyone else in the room, I don't know, like they're just looking on, like what is going on? Like what, what, what is she doing? And you know what? I don't want to be one of the guys in the room watching and seeing what's going on. I want to be that woman. I want to get to a point in my life where I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm just going to pour it all out in worship to God. I, I, I just want to be the person who comes to a gathering like this and says, I've brought something. I've brought something for Jesus. Because I'm fully aware of how bad I need Jesus. I'm fully aware of, of my sins are many. And I'm fully aware that, that he has canceled my debt. And I just want to express to him how grateful I am for that. Like, I'm lost without you, Jesus. I need forgiveness. I mean, I've done things. If people knew the kinds of things that are in my past, that are in my mind sometimes, Lord, I need you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for covering my debt. To be the person who freely just falls on his or her face in worship, and I don't care who's watching, and I don't care what other people think. Lord, I, Jesus, I brought you a gift, and I'm here to worship you. I think that's what Jesus is looking for. That we come to him like this woman, not caring what anybody else in the room thinks, just being so overwhelmed by Jesus, so blown away by his love that we just fall on our face in worship. Her sole focus was not on what she could get from Jesus. Her sole focus was responding to what she already has in Jesus and giving it, giving her all in worship. It's a picture to me of someone whose total mindset is on contributing, not trying to get anything, not trying to consume anything. She, gave, she, she came to give and to give all that she had and all that she was. Somehow, I invite and implore and challenge all of us. We need to stop approaching church as if it's some product that we have a right to consume. This whole consumer mindset, it's so ingrained, but it so needs to go. When we come to a gathering and then we leave a gathering critiquing the gathering, we need to stop that. We really do. I mean, we gotta stop, you know, yeah, the sermon was. Yeah, the music was. Yeah, the, the, the children and youth ministry was. Yeah, I, I didn't like worship today. How did we ever get the right to say such things? When, when did that all start? When did we start thinking it's okay to, to think stuff like that? Aren't we supposed to come to pour out everything to Jesus? I didn't come to receive anything. I, I came to give. I came to adore. Anything I receive... It's like icing on the cake. That's, that's the cool icing I get to take with me out of here. I mean, can you just let, let me put it in a different scenario, okay? You know how we have these scripture verses, like both in the Old Testament, Revelation, where, where it gives us these sneak peeks, these glimpses of the throne room of heaven, right? They're awesome. They're mighty. They're powerful. There's thunder. There's lightning. And, and there's like these weird creatures. And there's these angels that, that like are, are surrounding the throne, and, and they're just crying out, you know, like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And, and they, that's all they do is they just 
cry out in worship to God. They never stop. I mean, can you imagine one of those angels taking a break? I don't think they get breaks, like just taking a break, walking away. Like, man, worship wasn't very good today. Worship wasn't very good today. I mean, Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a picture of how it is in heaven. That's a picture of what worship is. It's total surrender and focus on the one who's on the throne. And Jesus says, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. That's what you need to start practicing on earth. It's, 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 it's centered around Jesus, not ourselves. It's centered around who he is and in, in, in what he's worth, not on just what I can get. You get what I'm saying? In heaven, everyone and everything is focused on the one who's on the throne. And we need to make our worship as best we can when we gather on earth as it is in heaven. So what would it look like? What would it look like to be a people so excited to worship God? Not worried about receiving anything. Not worried about, you know, style or preference. Not worried about what others think who simply show up carrying our alabaster jar. Like, whatever that is for you. Like, just whatever it is, whatever that gift is, just people that show up with a gift. And our gift of thanks. It might be a gift of worship. It might be a gift of encouragement for others in the room. Whatever that jar represents, whatever that gift is, a people just so amazed and so in awe of the great love that the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God and that is who we are. Uh, people who are just so blown away that, that, that God so loved me that he gave his son. That... that, that, that Whoever believes in him can, can have life eternal. Like, that are so blown away by that, that we just come to, to just give in response to that. Who are so blown away that, that while we were yet sinners, Christ chose to die for us. He deserves my everything. He deserves my focus. He deserves my, my, my jar. The people so excited that, man, I get to gather again and adore God with people. Let's choose to kill this whole consumer mindset that just creeps in because we live in a consumer culture. We can't help it. But let's, let's choose to, to battle it, to resist it, to kill it if we can. And the amazing thing is, I alluded to this earlier, I think when we come with that sort of posture of a contributor, not a consumer, I, I think that's when, when we come with that posture, that mentality to give, you actually leave more filled. You actually leave more filled than what you came with. Because when you come focused on what you have to give, I think you actually receive more. Think about the people at this dinner at Simon the Pharisee's house. Who do you think left that dinner most fulfilled, most filled, most overjoyed? I don't think it was the other Pharisees standing around like, what's going on? I think it was that woman. I think she received greatly from Jesus because she gave Everything greatly to Jesus. Jesus, I think that's what Jesus means when he says it's better to give than to receive. You know, this is uh, Luke in the book of Acts. In, in you know, um, 
he shares these words that, that Jesus must have said that gets quoted here. Right at the end, Jesus says, you know, remember the words of our Lord Jesus, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I bet you that woman left the most fulfilled person in the room. Forgiven. I can't believe Jesus accepted me. I can't believe it. It's so awesome. He forgave me. I think it made her day. I think it made her life. I think it put her life on a total new trajectory. Contributing, not consuming. It's the DNA of the kingdom of God. I mean, consider Jesus' words here. Matthew 20. This, right, right before this exchange, you have, you know, um, James and John, and I think their mother was involved, you know, like coming to Jesus, like, hey, can, can my boy sit on your right and on your left? And it begins this conversation of what's it mean to be great in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus says this, he, he, so he called all the disciples together, aware of this conversation that's going on about what's, how can we be great in the kingdom of God? Jesus says this, he called them together and he said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Then he says this, but among you it will be different. In other translations it says, but you are to be different than that. You're to be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life As a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come so that the body of Christ could serve him. He came to serve. And that's our picture. And that's our our example. Jesus came. What, what, What did Jesus come to give? His life. He came to give everything. Everything. And and so if we're we say this a lot, don't we? If we're to be like Jesus, if that's what it means to be a disciple, to, to be like him in character and to do the kinds of things he did, to, to have his competency, then we need to pay attention to these words. If we're going to be like him, we're, we exist to serve, not be served. If we're going to be like him and do what he did, we need to give our lives to the kingdom of God. We need to give everything, give it all to him. So I would take our value and maybe here's another way to say contributors, not consumers. Here's our job description. That we want to be a people empowered by God, working within us. We're called to be like our Lord Jesus, to lay down our lives for others. This includes sacrificially giving of ourselves, which means giving of our time, our talents, and our treasures, and our plans, out of love for God and out of love for others. So I just wanted this kind of close just, what does that look like? What can that look like? What's it mean to, to, to give our time? To, to give our time in worship. To give our time as an expression of a, of a living sacrifice. As a worship to God. To give our time to the kingdom of God. Well, time's the one capital that we all have the same amount of. I mean, no one here has more than another or less than another. You know, we might not have as much margin as each other because of the way we fill up our time. But we all have 24 hours in a day. We all have seven days in a week. We all have 52 weeks in a year. What does it look like to, to think about time as that alabaster jar that we bring to Jesus? Like, I, I give you my time. You know, maybe it can look like, what does it mean to serve? Um, what, what does it mean? I, I think one of the best ways to battle a consumeristic mentality, um, you know, 
to, to, to work against this mentality like, oh, these people exist to serve me is to get involved in serving. I think that's the best way to combat a, a consumeristic mentality is to get on the other side of, instead of being served, serve. Find ways to serve, to serve in the body of Christ. You guys remember like a few weeks ago, we, we handed out um, one of these. You can get these at the info desk if you don't have one. It's filled with all the different ways you can serve and contribute in the body of Christ here at Victory Point. All the different ways that, that we, we need each other to, to get involved and to lend a hand and, and to, to love on kids and to love on youth and to, to help serve and behind the scenes, up front and everything in between. Man, if, if you don't have a way to serve, to, to give of your time in the body of Christ, I'd encourage you to check that out and to just try something. Just grab hold of something and like, I'm going to give this a whirl. I'm going to give my time, you know, as an expression of worship. Talents. Everybody here has talents. Everybody here has abilities and gifts that God has given you. Remember like a few years ago, we, we all took the fivefold test. You know, like some of you are, are wired to be apostles and prophets and, and evangelists and teachers. Like how, how are you giving that? How are you using that? How are you leveraging that for the kingdom of God? You know, like, like your spiritual gifts, like where, where do you use those, both within and outside of, of this building? Like what, what does it look like to, to steward my time in, in my treasures, my treasures? Yes, I mean, I'm talking about financially. I mean, giving financially, contributing is part of what it means to contribute, you know, to this local body, to, to this church. When you give to Victory Point, when you drop you know, funds into those bags, when you give online, when you send from your bank account to Victory Point, however you choose to do it, when, when you give to Victory Point, you're funding and supporting things like all those missional communities that we introduced you to last week. All those mission partners that you, you got to hear from during December, um, you, you're contributing to, to their work around the world. You're contributing to conspiracies of, of mercy and grace and benevolence among this body and in this community. You're, you're contributing to local and global missions. Yes, you're also contributing to paying the electric bill and keeping the lights on here and keeping this space sort of functional and updated. You're contributing to the, the people who work here. Who, whose job is to help create environments and opportunities to equip the body of Christ for works of service. I mean, like, we, we contribute financially as well. And what I love about this church is you are a people who give generously. You really are. You're, to me, you're, Victory Point, you're like this woman who just like, man, I'm just bringing it all. I'm, I'm bringing it all. Like, 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 like the widow who who Jesus acknowledged in scripture, who just gave a penny. That's all she had. You know, I'm not just simply talking about like tithing when it comes to contributing our treasures and our financial resources. That's another conversation someday. I'm beginning to think more and more that, you know, the, the, the tithe is an Old Testament principle and it's a good one and it's one we should follow, but it's just the minimum. It's just the minimum of what it looks like to, to live and give generously in the kingdom of God. The, I think the critical question when it comes to any of these things, our, our talents, our treasures, our time, is how do we view those things? Like when it comes to our money, for instance, like how do we view our money? Is it God's or is it ours? Is it God's or is it ours? Because if it's all God's, and if, if God created everything and out of love graciously allows us to use it and enjoy it and steward it 
and it's for his glory and not our own, then really it's, it's very freeing, right? Because we're not stewarding our money. We're stewarding God's. We're not tithing on our money. We're, we're tithing on God's. It's all God's. The question isn't then how much of my income and my resources will I give to God? If it's all his, then it's really just how much of God's resources am I going to keep for myself? That's a different angle, and that's a different way to look at things. But, but I think if we see it as all God's, then we just are given back to the one who, who it belongs to in the first place. Contributors, not consumers. At Victory Point, we believe that the church does not exist only for us, but we are the church, and we exist for the world, and therefore we will choose to contribute our time, our talents, and our treasures in joining God on his mission to bring his kingdom to the world. I think in Luke chapter 7, we have a beautiful picture of what it looks like to, to, to be a contributor and not a consumer. So I'm going to invite the band up. I'm just going to give you this question. We're going to close with a time of worship and a time of communion. What would it look like to ask the Holy Spirit each day, Lord, who can I be a blessing to today? Who can I be an act of worship to today with my words, with my resources, with my acts of service? Because as a Christian and part of God's family here on earth and in this community, we are God's primary conduit of blessing flowing out to others. I just want to give you a second as you think about this whole idea of contributor, consumer, what's God saying to you this morning? What's he saying to you about like your mindset, your posture? Do you need to, whatever God's prompting you, I would encourage you to pay attention to and to receive. If you need to confess some things to the Lord, around this go for it this is your time right now we we don't want to just give you words and then have you leave like i want you to really receive and to process and to 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 grab hold of what the lord has for you this morning when it comes to your time your treasures your talents do do you hold them tightly or do you hold them loosely and you set them at the feet of jesus and in, in, in you anoint his feet with, with your gifts as an act of worship. I just simply invite you, before we enter into a time of communion, what's God saying to you this morning? Might be an affirmation. Might be a word of, of love and, and of identity and invitation might be a word of challenge, but it's coming from the heart of a good father. What's God saying to you this morning? And as you tune into that, what's one thing you could do as an expression of response to that? Let's take a minute and discern that.
Lord, we confess any and all ways this morning of ways that we've perhaps viewed your church as a product to consume. Your church is a people. We are your church. And we exist for the world. We exist to show the world what the love of God looks like, feels like, tastes like in action. So Lord, stir us up to find our way to contribute to that identity and to contribute to that mission participate in fleshing out the rule and reign of God everywhere we go and making things on earth like they are in heaven and to not stop pursuing that until heaven comes back to earth completely once and for all. May we be that kind of church. May we help each other be that kind of church. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite Ryan forward and he's going to help me uh, 